Good morning. You may be seated. Really glad you're here today. The Greek philosopher Heraclitus, about 2,600 years ago, said, there is nothing permanent except change. Now, that, that statement carries some truth. It's a little extreme uh, because we, we know there are permanent things in, in the universe. But at the same time, change is a permanent factor in our lives. It's, it's something we deal with. I, I deal with it every day. I feel it every day anyway as, as I get older. Um, after my father passed away about 12 years ago in 2007, my mom and my brother and my sister and I decided to take a, a trip down memory lane. We went to the city I grew up in, Southgate, California, and um, we our plan, we had a solid plan. We had three basic objectives. We would go to my brother's favorite hamburger stand, Lucky Boys, on Firestone Boulevard, and then we would swing by the church that we grew up in, and then we would go by our house that my, my dad built with his bare hands. He built from scratch on his own, uh, which, okay, I won't, I won't go, okay, well now you're wondering what I was thinking. <laughs> what I was thinking is, I think he was glad for who I became, but frustrated by my lack of skills growing up in the, in the building area. So anyway, we, we swung by the lucky boy, it became a McDonald's. From between the last time we'd been there and, and the time we were there. We went by the church that we grew up in. It was an apartment complex. And then we drove down our street, Bowman Avenue and Southgate, and uh, the whole entire house, the front yard had been changed because the, the, the guy that bought it was a construction guy, and he pushed out the front by about six or seven feet and put Roman columns on the front. And it's at that point my sister started crying <laughs> in the back seat. She's <laughs> like, oh, no, this is too much to take. Lucky boy's gone, the church is gone, and our house, it doesn't look like it used to. That's, that's the way life is. Life flows on. And, you know, you have a house, it goes to the next person, and they do what they want with it. Um, changes in our world are happening at such a rapid pace that it's it's more and more difficult to keep up. Technology and the Internet makes changes possible at the speed of light. Uh, companies who don't pay attention to those changes in our world are stalled out and or dying. Um, my cousin was a commercial photographer for years, and he didn't want to make the change to digital photography, and so he's doing something else now. This is the way it is. Either we flex and we change or, or not. Um, I, I read a blog uh, from a church leader that focused on the latest trend in retail. Uh, and it's called fidgetal. They make up new words, you know. Fidgetal. Uh, it's a shopping experience that combines the physical and the digital. Uh, many brick-and-mortar retail stores are going away. They're struggling because the convenience of online shopping is just too much for them. 
You can buy almost anything on Amazon. How, how many shopped on Amazon this week? I, okay, that's, that's a big portion of our group here. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of normal. But in spite of the convenience of shopping on Amazon, many shoppers still prefer, prefer to interact with the product, to talk to a salesperson, to a real-life person about the product. So... The companies who figure out how to marry the online and the physical environment are going to thrive. Fidgetal. That's, that's the word of the day. Um, well, hopefully not the word of the day. Hopefully there's better things to come. Uh, but the point, the point of the blog that I was reading was that the church needs to think through this fidgetal thing. And we need to adapt. We need to try to make the most of the opportunity and think through how does this trend apply to our our mission. And I think that's right. Keeping up with change doesn't impact companies and churches alone. Irrelevant people pay a price as well. This includes moms, dads, bosses, employees, church members, friends, and on and on. If we lose the ability to communicate meaningfully with people we care about, we lose and they lose. It's a lose-lose situation if we don't keep up. We need to stay in touch so that we can connect with others. Irrelevance diminishes Influence. Christ followers are called to show love toward the people around us, and God's hope or goal in that is that we love people, we show kindness to them, we we really help them, and then that opens their heart to the one we serve. The reason we do that, the God, the God we know. If we become irrelevant. Our influence is weakened a great deal. Parents lose touch with their kids. Understanding is a, it's a core component of any relationship. So if you roll your eyes at the trends that your kids get into, uh, you refuse to discover anything about those trends, whether they're good or bad, you, you become irrelevant and you lose influence. They roll their eyes right back at you. You know, oh, yeah, mom and dad, they're out of it. They're out of sync. They're not quite sure. They, they write you off as out of touch. At work, it's easy for the older, more seasoned people to resent the wide-eyed, optimistic young co-worker. Youngers have ideas and definitely more skills Typically in technology, that's not always true, but they, they grew up. This is the world they grew up in. So they, they've been swimming in technology since they were born. If you're older and put out by the younger folks, your influence with them is blocked. And you, you aren't able to leverage their strengths for your, for your own good. Here's a clip from the movie, The Internship. It's about two older sales guys who lose their job, and they end up with an internship at Google. Let's watch this. 
Come on, guys, let's brainstorm this puppy. We're gonna put the coffee in the pot and we're gonna let it percolate. I think it'll be helpful to explore what apps have been most popular. Go, in the go backwards or go forward. Oh, and we could bin it, you know? Fall out. We categorize needle movers by type of user. All right, guys, I don't want to kill the momentum or the mojo that you have cooking, but to be fair with you, needles and categories, they don't use apps. People use apps. So I have an idea. Nowadays, people are taking pictures, right? They have their phones now, they're out. Something catches their eye, they want to take it, but then the photo's just sitting there. What if they take that photo and instantaneously put it out there on the line and they share it with their friends? That's Instagram. It already exists. It's one of the most popular apps in the world. Facebook bought them for like a billion dollars. Oh, no, no, no. Mine is very different than that. How is yours something very different than that? Because on mine, you're taking the photo instantaneously. You're putting the photo out there on the line. Is it online? Yeah, I'm putting my photos out on the line and I'm creating an exchange. Yeah, that's Instagram. But mine's more of a social sharing on the line that's happening. Online. Quick interjection. When you keep saying on the line, you do mean online. Sure, you don't do that to a man. He's got a million dollar idea right here. Billion dollar idea. Even better. Let him flow. Okay, that's all fine. But he's talking about something already invented. They're, they're trying hard to fit in. Uh, they're trying to contribute. They're clearly out of touch. Um, it's easy for the young worker to write off the older folks. They seem to be out of sync. They, they don't, not in touch with the latest trends. Um, if you're young and you do this, you, you discount and miss out on a tremendous amount of wisdom and experience. This, this is one of the lessons of the movies. It turns out the old guys do have something to contribute, even though they don't speak the, the language. It's, it's so much better for all of us to show respect and to learn from each other. If we're stuck in our ways and refuse to change, we regret the changes we didn't make. We'll experience loss because of our stubbornness. We'll lose a connection to our family and friends. And our influence will diminish. We will never know what could have been if we'd have stayed in touch. God's shown a path to change where we always stay relevant. He will make us more loving if we let him shape who we are. God will make us more loving. Loving, love is always relevant because God's kind of love, what he wants to do in your heart is he wants to Turn you inside out from focusing on yourself and show you how to love people sacrificially in the moment as the need arises. This is, this is what God does. That's always relevant. The more you become who God wants you to be, the more helpful you are in a given conversation and circumstance. The key to all of this is to stay relevant by letting God renew your mind. Excuse me, I'm going to grab a drink of water here. The meaning of relevant has changed. In 1828, Webster's Dictionary defined relevant as relieving support. Uh, that was the first definition in 1828. And then the second was pertinent or applicable. <clears throat> Strong character is always relevant. And God wants to grow us toward the qualities that are like himself. And it makes me applicable to... <coughs> the current circumstance. 
God is reliable. He wants us to be reliable. He loves sacrificially. He wants his people to choose the same. He is kind, and he wants us to be kind. Think about this. If you're reliable, your family appreciates what you bring to the table as you do life with them. If you're willing to sacrifice your own comfort to love your family and friends, your value to them keeps increasing. If you show God-like kindness to coworkers, they're drawn to you. Kindness is always relevant. The challenge is to stay anchored to do what's right in a rapidly changing world. How do we live in a world where the trends are flying by and remain tethered to the right things? How do we do that? Here's, here's a picture of an astronaut. When I've seen pictures, when I see pictures like this, I get the chills. That just, that's scary. The only thing holding you to the spacecraft is that little tether, that cord. That's the only thing. The only, if it snaps, you're just floating off into outer space. God gives us a tether to the right things. We need it. We need to stay anchored. We need to stay tethered to the right things as we walk through life, as we deal with all the changes. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What we think about, where we guide our mind when we're trying to handle life and the changing circumstances around us, determines how well we navigate the changes that are flowing by. In this passage, Romans 12, 2, there's a don't. Don't be conformed. There's a do. Be transformed. And there's a how. Test the trends. That's what we're going to walk through now. If we cooperate with God based on the don't, do, and how of this passage, we will stay relevant as things flow by. This is the way he grows our character through the current trends or, or even in spite of the current trends. So first, let's look at the don't. Don't be conformed. This is the command. The word conformed in this passage means to form or mold one's behavior in accordance with a particular pattern or set of standards. That's definition from a Greek lexicon. This was originally written in Greek. And often if you dig into the Greek words that it was originally written in, the, the meaning unfolds. So the idea of conformed is to form or mold one's behavior. And in this passage... We're commanded not to be conformed to the world. The world in this passage refers to the system of practices or standards associated with secular society. So basically, the world at large is not God-oriented. It's, it's just not. They don't, the world at large doesn't factor God into circumstances and situations. And so, 
we're careful not to conform to their that way of thinking. Those of us who follow Christ must evaluate the current trends in light of God and his ways. To do that, we have to resist being squeezed into the mold by the world at large. So instead, what we do is we aim at being transformed. We want to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, it says. To be transformed means to be changed in the essence of who you are. That's what it's talking about in this passage. There's pressure in the world to conform to its trends and values and to squeeze into its mold. But God uses the pressure in the world and the change and all that's going on to grow us, to change our character if we'll. He's not going to force us to do that. Transformation happens by the renewal of our mind. Our, our part in this process is to learn to think the way God does about life as we deal with the trends. There are two basic ways to be transformed. Number one, learn to think the way God does about life and about the changes we're facing. We do that by immersing ourselves in the Bible. The Bible contains the mind of God. It's the way God thinks about life. And so we listen to it as it's taught. We hear it. We read it. We study it. We meditate on it. And we memorize it. We immerse ourselves. We, we get it inside of us so that we can deal with the changes that are going on around us. Change is constant in the trends and changes in the world at large. And in our own lives, as we move from one stage to the other, change is going on. It's happening, whether we're ready or not. God uses his word, the Bible, as a guide to help us sort out and work through the changes. If we let it shape our thinking, it tethers us to God's ways. It, it, it anchors us to him and who he is. This, this, this makes us relevant whatever circle we're in. We become usable for God's purpose in the lives of our family, our co-workers, our friends, and here in the church body. If you back up a verse in Romans 12.1, we just looked at Romans 12.2. If you back up to verse 1 of Romans 12, you find the second way <clears throat> that transformation takes place. 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The second key to transformation is this. Present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice in moments where our our ways clash with God's ways. Once you decide to follow Christ, life is a series of choices between our old ways and his ways. When, when I have a good idea at work, I want people to listen to it and give me some credit. That's my old ways. 
I, I don't always want to encourage others. I want some encouragement myself. Hit me with it. I'm not always motivated to do the work I need to do. If I'm slighted by my boss or coworker, my motivation goes even lower, and I get less motivated, and I'm tempted to slack off. When these desires, these old desires, these old ways, when they clash with God's goals to love, to show kindness, to be faithful, to be reliable, when they clash, I present myself to God as a living sacrifice in that moment. That's the picture in Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I heard, I've heard for years somebody said, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the table. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. We, we crawl off the table, but when that clash happens, we present, okay, God, I, this is not what I want. This is not the way I want to go. But, Lord, I, I, <clears throat> I ask you to help me want to do what you want me to do. This, this brings us to the how. We, we leverage the trends for our good. We test the trends. There are several twins, trends and twins. There probably are. Uh, but there are several trends in 2019 that are easy to resist, at least for me. Planking is one of those. Uh, it's been going on for a few years. It's a popular game, just so you know I'm not out of touch. I know it's been going on for a few years. But it's a popular game, relatively harmless, except that people keep looking for more dangerous places to plank. These, these guys are planking in the middle of the road. You can see the, the police cars blocking it so that they're safe. Um, cactus eating is another trend. Uh, very easy for me to avoid this trend. Uh, it's not hard. It, the, the challenge in this trend is to take the whole cactus and eat it. And the thorns obviously are causing problems in mouths and internally. Um, th- these are stupid trends. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Just stupid. Uh, n- easy to avoid. Unless a crowd you're a part of gets into one of these trends, and then you feel the pull to do it as well. The power of groupthink, it has a strong pull, and it can lead to craziness, just stupidity. Once you decide to follow Christ, you have to swim against the current of popular thought. Often, you're swimming against it. In Romans 12, we're commanded to be transformed by the testing of of the ways of the world. By testing, your aim is to discern the will of God as as life flows by and change is happening. The, The word testing in the Greek means to try to learn the genuineness of something by examination and testing. What's genuine is found in the Bible. The Bible is permanent. The Word of God is permanent. It will live and last forever. 
What God said is true thousands of years ago is going to be true on through eternity. So if we tether ourselves to the word of God, it equips us to to know the genuineness of the thoughts and the ideas and the trends that are flowing by in life. We test the ideas and the trends in the world by knowing the word of God, by knowing scriptures, and matching up what's going on in the world, the thoughts, the stream of thoughts, the ideas that are flying by, we match them up with God's word to see how true and genuine they are. This is the way we discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When I, when I, when God speaks to me about my life, I get, maybe I get up in the morning, I read scripture and it's alive. The word of God is alive and God uses it to speak to me. And he'll use it to speak to you as well as you start reading it and asking him to speak to you. But often he speaks to me through the Bible and my response is, that is so right. That's what this passage is saying. You'll, You'll discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know this is the way. This is right. This is so right. If we back up a little further in Romans to chapter 11, verses 33 and 36, we discover the source of the wisdom to navigate the current trends and how we arrive at that wisdom. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God himself wants to be our anchor in a sea of change. He gives the power to resist the pull of the world, world's ways, the, the, the flow that goes against his ways. He helps us stay relevant and authentic. He helps us deal with. He gives us the wisdom as we move from one stage in life to the next and as we're in the transitions and all the changes hitting us. And it's coming at us. He will help. If we turn to him, he will guide us forward to make the most of the changes in the culture. He'll guide us forward to make the most of the changes that are happening in our lives. If you're in sync or you get in sync, if you're out of sync and you get in sync with God's plan for you, he will guide you into the future because his wisdom is always relevant. There are three dimensions to the wisdom of God. It's, it's righteous. That means you do what's right before God. It's just. You do what's right before people. And it's prudent. In other words, it, it shows you God's wisdom and God himself, as you get into scripture, he will show you 
the best way to accomplish good goals. It's straightforward path. So he shows you the best way. The Lord will help you grow in influence with the people around you and not become irrelevant because he's going to lead you to show love, kindness. He's going to lead you to be reliable. And that's always relevant. That's a breath of fresh air. When somebody in the family, you can count on them. When somebody at work, you can count on them. I, I want to encourage you as I wrap up the message this morning, mix it up with other generations. Get to know those younger, get to know those older. There's a bias in the Bible toward living in a way that people from different generations learn from each other. That's what you see in Scripture. If you're on the older end of the spectrum and you tend to roll your eyes at the latest fad, take the time to try to understand the youngers and and what they're into, why they're into it, why it matters to them. Aim to speak their language. Don't, Don't try to be hip. I've tried that. I've actually tried that in public. It doesn't go well when you, you know, try to be cool. Don't, I'm not saying try to be cool, but don't demand that they speak your language. Try to figure theirs out. Try to understand them. If you can enjoy them and communicate with them in a meaningful way, you might be able to influence them. This applies to parents and their kids, grandparents, older workers mixing in with the youngers. Everybody has something to bring to the table. If you're younger, don't write off the olders. They have much value to share with you. Don't, don't expect them to be cool. <laughs> we probably aren't going to be. Don't expect them to say things the way that you do. But ask questions to get to know them and draw out the lessons they've learned in life. Major way to build a bridge across the generations is to show interest in other folks from the other generations. My dad really loved and enjoyed people. And one way this came, came out, and my, my brother-in-law shared this at his memorial service, and one way that this came out is he would find out what you were doing with your life and an interest that you had, and he would just ask you all kinds of questions about that. He would get curious. And it, 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 it expressed love because he was really interested in you and what you were giving your time to and what you were doing with your life. This is a way to show love. By being curious and interested in the people around you, love is always relevant. And it helps you grow relevant as well in the lives of the people around you. The people you care about just might open up and allow you to influence them if you enjoy them and show interest in them. I want to wrap up by encouraging you to take some next steps this week. We always do this. Uh, Try to listen to the Word of God and then take steps to apply it to our lives. Uh, You'll find some suggested next steps on the back of your listening guide. Um, And here they are. My next step today is to mix it up with other generations by showing interest in them.
Another next step could be test the world's ideas and trends against God's word, the Bible. Um, read Romans 12 or read the whole book of Romans. It, it has a, a lot of a lot of truth in there that makes sense of the world that's going on. That that'd be a good suggestion. But get into the scriptures and and let God speak to you through it consistently and allow him to begin to change you through it. And then that's the next step. Allow God to transform me into the person he wants me to be rather than resist him. Resist the world. Don't be conformed uh, to the world at large. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that frees us to be more and more if we live it, the people that you made us to be. And God, I pray for help. I pray for strength. I pray that God, you'd, you'd help us as you've spoken to us this morning. Uh, help us to step out and find the strength to do what you've laid on our hearts to do. We ask for the help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.